The Bell's Iceman Cometh Challenge. 5,000 riders are here to overcome one of the world's toughest mountain bike races, a grueling 30-mile race through the forests of northern Michigan. Thank you to our friends at Bells. We're so grateful for your continued support and collaboration. We look forward to enjoying a few samples throughout the show, and of course, at the Bells Iceman Cometh Challenge this November. Was that a bear, or a cow, or a banana we saw flying through the woods? No, it was just some of the folks from Trek Bikes. Check out their new bikes and gear. It's always as fun and awesome as they are. Thank you, Trek, for your longtime support and sponsorship. We can't wait to see what Trek Bikes will bring to Iceman this year. Cambium Analytica, we are grateful for your support and thank you for the continued collaboration. Stop by and say hi to Cambium Analytica at the Expo and Celebration Zone. See you out on the trails. All right, welcome back to the Iceman podcast. Um, we're rolling off of a, a great day in the woods. Uh, this year's Iceman couldn't ask for a better day, uh, couldn't ask for a better race. Uh, we had a lot of, a lot of excitement, a little bit of drama out there. Um, a lot of fun and we're here to talk about it. We're going to have Deanna Miles on the podcast, um, our ice queen. I'm not sure if they like being called that, but we're going to, um, she, she won this year and we're really excited to talk to her. We've also got Shannon coaches, uh, Porter, her son, uh, who had an awesome race out there and then Liz belts on the podcast with us again from intrepid. Uh, how's everybody doing? How was everybody's, uh, ice man experience? Shannon, we'll have, we start with you. Hey, how's it going guys? Um, it was good. I started out in the pro, uh, women's race at three o'clock and it was tough. It's a small group of women. So your starts have to be good. And Unfortunately, at the start, there was two girls that got their handlebars tangled up at the start, so I uh, I was stuck behind them. So the pro women in their peloton got away probably about 10 to 15 seconds in growing, so I was chasing the whole race, but it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, that's And how, how big was the women's field this year? I believe it was 26 women, so I was 25th out of 26, and then I passed about Oh, about eight women solo. I kind of did my intervals on them, did 30 <laughs> seconds past them, and then uh, soloed the whole time. Uh, I think I ended up around 17th place. Okay. Well, that's from, from where you were. It sounds like a, a pretty good day. As, as yeah, good as, it was fun in the woods. Almost as good as you could hope for out there after yeah. that kind of start. But was yeah. your bike okay? Like bike was oh, it was okay, perfect. Or? I was strong. I was strong, perfect. Everything was great. I just... Uh, you know, you're just chasing your tail. You don't have any motivation. You see, when you see someone ahead, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm making gains. And that's when my decision of, uh, I wouldn't say not working with them. My decision to pass them was because mm -hmm. I didn't want to entertain or, you know, I didn't want to lose my, the power that I was putting into my ride. And yeah. so I felt really strong. So I kept just going for it. And so after the crash, when you got onto like the airport, were they still, could you see the Peloton up there? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just close? couldn't, I couldn't do it. It was, I think when I looked at our, our mileage, I think in the four miles that they did, they averaged 19.5 and I believe I was like 18.4. So, you know, the difference in a Peloton is, I think it's 30% faster. Yeah, you know when you're in that group, and usually I'm in that group, so it was, it was tough. <laughs> but I can't thing. say I was mad about it because I felt really strong. I think I was disappointed in my time when I finished because I, I think I was two o two, 
and it's not what I wanted to see, but I'll say that I felt really good, really strong. I didn't get sick. And yeah, I'm yeah. going to come back next year. You've been year. dealing with kind of gut issues. A yeah, bit, but this so. year, this year has been good. Yeah. yeah. Good. I'm well, glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, I guess before we want to go on, I, I kind of forgot. I want to thank everybody um, that made Iceman possible this year. I, no way I can thank everybody, but uh, I want to start with Steve Brown again. I talked to him this morning and um, I just to thank him for putting on and starting an amazing event. Um, his whole crew is that has been doing it for 30 years is bigger than I can remember as well. But there's a lot of people on that side that go into setting up the course, setting up the, um, the finish line, um, and then just making the day everything that it can be. Um, also got the festival foundation, um, who makes all of this possible now that they, they run it. Um, we've got NIMBA who made sure that the trails are in great shape. I'm sure everybody, that did the race, saw Tom White out in the woods at some point. I think for me, it was at Uncle Tom's cabin. I saw him uh, out by himself and just, he was still working on the trail as uh, the first guys went through. So um, he probably did that for the rest of the day. And um, and then the rest of the NIMBA crew who made it possible um, to, to get to that point as well. Um, and then we've got all the folks like Liz, who help get people in shape for the race, uh, Justin, who we had our, already had on the podcast, all of our friends and family uh, that allow the riders and come out to ride as much as they do so that they're ready for it, and then all of our friends and family that are there to support on the day of and, and help celebrate. So um, with that, we've got a family member of Shannon, uh, Porter. So Porter, how was, how was your day? Um, you don't have to get into all the details right away cause we definitely want to do a deeper dive, but, um, just walk us through the, let's start with the start line and then we'll, we'll get to the finish later. Yeah, I had a, I had a good race. I say it was a, it was a good day and off the start, it was kind of pretty fast and it was just like a big group of guys just coming through the, the airport road. And then it kind of like whittled down throughout the whole race and then it was eventually just three of us me jack and ryland i think his name was and he was from wisconsin and jack's yeah. jack, jack clow from Traverse yeah, city right? jack clow and then towards like the end we kind of dropped jack and we didn't really see him for the rest of the race and what when did that happen the the bench climb or the the cc climb okay so after Anita's, like, yeah. after Three Sisters, when so you're you're on on your way back to Timber Ridge, and yeah. you get in the from the basically the the gate at Timber Ridge at uh, the Vasa, you're heading back on those big climbs. So and before Madeline's trail, right? Yeah, right so before from, Madeline's trail, okay. he kind of just dropped off at the hill, and so it was just me and Rylan, and we just gassed it full gas because we didn't want jack to catch up <laughs> he's he's a power <laughs> yeah it's powerhouse you you gotta make a little gap um what how did you guys uh sounds like you had a lot of power getting over that hill was uh was yeah. jack cramping or what 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 allowed you to kind of make that gap with rylan well i don't think he was like feeling good like that whole day kind of because the like couple hills before he was kind of like a couple seconds back but i just thought that was kind of like the people throw, slowed him down up the hill but I guess, like, I just kind of pushed it up the hill, and I looked back, and he was all the way, at, like, halfway through. So we just kind of just full gassed it up, and then it would, it was just me and him, and I, like, I had, like, a gap by, like, five seconds, like, up the end and coming through the finish. 
and then I just like slid out in the last corner and got passed. So you know, I got second, but that was it's still good. Yeah, well, that's that's a really really impressive uh, job out there, Porter. And yeah, it's uh, tough coming. You you mentioned that you were passing people, or that you like when you were, Jack was still with you. Were there other like people from earlier in the day that you guys had uh, pass on the course out there? Yeah, it was kind of like started like halfway through the race. There you, we would see people from like the the waves. The older people would pass through, and then we were passing all like the younger kids okay. in, fr- in front of us, like pretty much throughout the whole day, because they were all kind of scattered up, and it kind of got like a little crammed up towards the end with the little single track spots. But it, it wasn't too bad. So when you were coming into Timber Ridge the first time and you go up into, I think it was called Steve's Secret Stash this year, when it, uh, there was a sign and then you go into the single track before Woodchip, it wasn't just you guys in that? You had uh, no, some, there, some company? Yeah, there's probably like 10, 10 people in there. There wasn't too many in front of us, but then when you turn onto that Woodchip Hill, there's a whole bunch of people and you're just weaving up the hill. Wow. So you have to throw down a lot of power just to get up the hill, and there's some yeah, folks there's, probably walking. and Yeah, and the, the kid I'm trying to beat is, like, right behind me. <laughs> so, you know, you're just trying to full gas it and try to get a gap, you hope. Yeah. And just try not, try not to crash or get stuck behind somebody. And it was pretty good. And then on Icebreaker Hill, it was, pretty, it was pretty open. There were a couple of people coming into that final single track. There was a, there were a couple people in front that you just have to get around onto the side. Yeah, well, you're probably going quite a bit faster yeah. than, than most out there, um, especially with the finish that you had. But yeah. did you have? Were you able to soak in icebreaker? Were there a good amount of people lined up on the boards? And yeah, definitely, there were a lot of people up there cheering. Yeah, and it was kind of like block out the noise. I couldn't really hear very much of them, just like full gas because you're you're trying to beat the kid. You don't want them to catch up. Yeah, because that's like the hill you got to get the gap on if you get the gap you pretty much win i think well, I, th- I think this year we had probably three or four and you you had you conquered all of those and you were mm-hmm. kind of leading up it, it sounds like each of those hills i, I know right before S- steve secret stash that positioning into the single track was really important this year so you were able to to be at that one and then up wood chip and into the next single track were you and uh in the lead right there too yeah, so coming off Mount Gary, he was kind of pull, I was pulling up that hill, and then I let him pull for a little bit. And my strategy was try to get into Steve's secret stash trail first, and then just stay ahead the whole race. Yeah. And it ended up working out, and I just got ahead of him. I was ahead of him for like the whole race, so I was able to like grow the gap. I think you had the right strategy there. Um, like we want to, definitely want to dive into a few more parts and yeah. figure out how you got to that point because that's uh, it sounds like you were kind of dictating the whole race and um, it's always always fun to hear uh, hear how that went versus what we're going to hear with Deanna um, mm-hmm. on the women's side. So, Liz, how about you? I didn't do Iceman. <laughs> I, you had uh, I'm guessing a, a different kind of fun out there. But I did. You had a, a whole crew. I was the... yeah, I was sick, but honestly, Iceman is like. I love Iceman, but I was just going out for fun anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, I had 61 people do it. I had a couple of people that were really sick and had to not be able to do it. Sean Kickbush, he had strap. He was really sick. I, I heard. I was really <laughs> was stoked to see how he would rough, do. Yeah. Rough week for him. Yeah. yeah. I wish he would have been up there with the pros. Yeah, he didn't even care about the race. That's how sick he was. I mean, he did. But yeah. the day before, he was still like, I, don't even, I can't even think about it. I'm trying not to die. Um, JJ did awesome. 
I mean, I was really proud of him. He had a good time. He's always just such a humble, awesome person to watch. I mean, tons of, you know, wave one through six people did awesome. Um, and then my favorite, of course, is always the first timers. Yeah. That's and my how, favorite. Do you know how many or like roughly um, a, a handful like, or was it more than... I would say, like, I would kind of consider first and second timers like first timers, you know, because they get moved up and their experience is different. Yeah, but, nice man, that makes makes sense. Because the yeah. first time, it's, I, everybody who's listening knows, or if you've done it at least once, you know it's kind yeah. of how many people can you pass politely race. And yeah. It, it's, you're definitely not going for time the first time. Yeah, I mean, you know, Troy Banton, he's probably one of my biggest success stories, and um, I mean that on him, not me. Like, he is so strong. It's ridiculous. But he was super sick, and he raced anyway. And he was probably at least 10 minutes slower than he would have been on a good day. Um, I could go on. I don't want to leave people out, but I'm just, like, trying to think. Probably the biggest highlight would be Amy Cartledge. She was in wave 5 million. That's what I always say. Um, That was her first Iceman. She's worked so hard. She's literally new to cycling, maybe a year. She killed it. She never got off her bike. She rode everything. Um, That kind of stuff just gives me goosebumps forever. Yeah. So and it was a, a hilly year for yeah. if it was your first time. It's yeah. Uh, it was it was definitely different than last year, and the weather was great. But more more hills in the beginning, which means yeah. that you're paying for it at the end. And yeah, more single track, yeah. so you're paying for that too. And I'm probably super biased, but Addie and Sophie, well, Sophie coaches and Addie, my daughter, they decided nine weeks before Iceman that they were going to do Iceman, and we were like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Well, Addie had never ridden, really. She's ridden a bike, but not, you know, in the woods. So me and Shannon took them out a few times in some really bad weather. Really bad weather. Really bad. It could be like this, this <laughs> on Iceman. It was way worse. Yeah. The it was we took them out literally Iceman. the worst Iceman weather you could think of, like 2014. Yeah. Um, and then Addie did my class for eight weeks, and I think she hated every minute of it. But it was her, they, they just decided to do it. And they went out and killed it. Yeah. It was so fun. And I got to see um, Porter on Williamsburg Road, and I know he's being really humble, but he's so strong, and he was in a group of, I think, six people, um, and he looked so relaxed coming up that hill, and I was goosebumps again. Yeah. I was so proud. Um, yeah, he looked really good, and I had two, some friends that were down from Marquette that were in his age group racing that were staying at our house, so it was really cool yeah. to have so many connections in all the different groups. Yeah, I wish I could have been at Williamsburg Road all, all day. Oh, uh, I, I saw some videos of there and also Keen, um, the whole Keen crew at Make It Stick mm-hmm. and, uh, and then Woodchip Hill too. I, I've never stood at Woodchip at, for like the pros and when they, when you guys are coming in Porter, but that seems like the place to be. I gotta, yeah, I gotta be there next yeah. year. It's such a good time. Yeah. It's also, it seems like it should be gated off a little bit like it's it's a little i kind of like it though. it's it is uh it's crazy yeah it's a mosh pit almost you know what was really cool icebreaker watching you come in that was really fun <laughs> it was pretty amazing <laughs> you are a beast it was so rad yep. yeah that was um i had a very fun fun time up there and as well and glad um yeah felt very supported um this year it was a fun fun time getting you know for everybody out there that uh you know you do it once or you you know a couple times and you're not in the wave that you want to um just like training uh consistency is is definitely key and if you keep on coming back to Iceman you will you'll end up in the position that um well, maybe not the exact one that you want to be but um you'll find a wave that fits you and um it'll give you an opportunity to kind of have the the race that you want um and that's I, I was fortunate enough to I've put in my time and had 
yeah, I was able to uh, have the race that uh, I was hoping for. What so, place did you get? I uh, was, was able to be up there uh, at the, on the top step of single speed this year. Yeah, you crushed so it. It was, was so, so awesome watching you come through. I got goosebumps. I was like, oh, so cool. Right next to them. That was a, a lot of fun. I've been uh, looking up to Steve Andres for a couple of years now, uh, being Dr. Payne and always riding the, the single speed. And he's been at it for quite a few more years than I am. And he was just a few seconds right behind. So yeah. it's, it's awesome riding with uh, him and was able to start with Kyler Bradley, who we had on the podcast. And uh, Juan was, uh, you know, John Holbrook was uh, a, a beast out on front. And unfortunately, made a, a wrong turn that allowed a uh, door to open and uh, there was a, a group that uh, kind of took advantage of that and yeah. had had a lot of fun. I got to re- meet Robbie on the, the motorcycle. I think it's Robbie Coots. Uh, yeah. Really nice guy uh, and we just played cat and mouse all day kind of riding um, at trying to chase him up the hills on his motorcycle and Wish I had a few more watts because that draft would have been great. Yeah. But <laughs> what an adrenaline rush for him though to look back and just oh. see you guys you have just to, chasing him. And you have to be really good. Yeah. Like he's he's made his name in Michigan, I think, for this. But Robbie's one of our friends, our family friends, and yeah. he is like, you have to be so on point. If you mess up once, uh, you're done. And he can't let you draft, obviously. No, no. <laughs> like I, he has to be yeah. a, the perfect distance. And bikes are getting faster. Yeah, and if he crashes, you someone's going. You know what I mean? So yeah. I mean, he, the fact that he hit the single track. Uh, all all of the single the, track? The new That's single insane t- to me. Yeah. Yeah, especially the one right before you get to, I think it's um, Hot Sister, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it was a new section that they put in, and that was really rough. And after I got yeah. through, I saw the motor, the tracks. I'm like, how did he make it through on a bike that's, like, wider than most of these trees? Mm-hmm. R- really impressive. What but, does it feel like to be behind the bike all race? Uh, your heart rate's too high, <laughs> you can't calm down, and yeah. you have some crazy thoughts running through your yeah, head. Yeah, it's so. got to be a, a match that just keeps lighting yeah. when you hear it and the, you see it. Yeah. The goals were, it just kept on being like, okay, I want to make it stick um, off the front would be incredible. And uh, that hit, and and then you just keep on putting those out there. And um, yeah, it was I, a, lot of, a lot of people out, like Williamsburg, same thing, just a lot of encouragement to get up the hills and try to stay out, out front that's for really cool. a little bit longer so but yeah so i, mean, I can't i can't even imagine i'm like pretending i hear that noise <laughs> it's funny when you, you know. see a single sp- speeder come up a hill too because it looks like they're like you know like their whole body yeah it's like a slow motion and I, i've been riding a single speed the last few months so i've enjoyed <laughs> it but like you are putting so much power down but there's these giant slow motion circles which don't feel like that they don't look slow motion. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because oh, they look like it the in the people, pictures. <laughs> yeah, because the people that are going down in these easier gears are, like, actually yeah. spinning. Yeah. And you're just, like, Rah! Monster just, match. Yeah, it, it was so impressive to watch you. Yeah. And I know it doesn't make you comfortable to hear that, but too bad. Well, <laughs> I, I think there's a place for it, and everybody, you know, I'm not saying everybody needs to go get a, uh, a new bike. Mm. And was very fortunate that uh, Elliot and Nick at Sutton's Bay Bikes um, put together... A bike that pretty much rides itself and definitely on the hills. Um, I didn't didn't have to work as hard as I have to have in the past because uh, they were they put together uh, a pro level bike uh, for a guy that just likes drinking beer a lot and <laughs> in pain. But um, I, it, single speed does, especially on Iceman. I I've talked to Steve about that and I talked to Tyler Weston afterwards. There's 
it might be the fastest bike some days and yeah. there's there's also always a give and take but it, even if it's just for training it does help to um make you comfortable and with pain <laughs> where, yeah. where did you feel the best in that race with that bike like where were you like totally flushed out i feel so strong is it after every hill like you're just back powers back after you yeah, you're uh, on a flat and you you just flush like all the single speed or all the single track is is where it uh and the short punchy hills are, yeah. are where you're able to keep speed and it it forces you to put a little bit more out but yeah. uh, especially on the shorter ones uh, you yeah. know like anita's definitely anita's make it stick are a little bit longer yeah. and by the end of that you're feeling it just as much as everybody but i think the short ones it um forces yeah. it forces you to keep yeah. speed and then by, by the time it's over it's you have momentum and as long as you can keep spinning it it's yeah. there so yeah and on a dorky scientific level you're forced to recover your legs faster whereas some people might shift into an easier gear yeah and the lactic acid just slowly comes out where you're you know the punchy hills are the most fun yeah. you can fly up yeah. them you don't feel much as long as you have momentum going into it and i mean you can drop pretty much anybody yeah i mean you know what i mean and was I mean, there a girl i think that won the overall in a single speed i've so I was looking at the passivity so. today, and I did see that ladies' single speed, I think, yeah. had the highest median or mean time yeah. out of every single category, right. which is... I think she was 159. Yeah. Who was it? I don't have the name. It wasn't Ginny Acker, was it? No. Okay. It was not a name fast. we know. Okay. I think she's... Gosh, I feel like it starts with an M. That's pretty incredible. We're sorry that we don't know your name. Yeah. We will find you. I was, and, uh, I was, <laughs> I was impressed. We up, I was like, wow, 159 single yeah. speed? Uh, wow. It's pretty pretty incredible. That's but, awesome. Uh, That's really awesome. Yeah. Well, we could just do a single speed podcast, but uh, that's <laughs> yeah. not what this is about. So, Porter, back to uh, back to your race. So I, I think we got there, but you got second, right? Yeah. Okay. So... There was uh, a time in that race where uh, you were leading, and it was pretty much the whole time. And you, it took a turn. Um, I, I know it. I, I just want you to walk us through that a little bit. And I, it's probably a little fresh. It could have been a top step for you. Um, can you walk us through some like the emotions or just kind of what happened? Because I I know your story is similar to. Uh, kind of what other people might have gone through um, at, at the finish line when you're completely gassed. Well, so I, I just a lot of emotions coming in that last corner. Like, I was excited because, like, I gassed it up the hill. I looked back, and he's, like, halfway up the hill. So you're, you have a lead. I have a lead, and I was excited that I dropped Jack because I was planning for, like, Jack that whole finish. The whole plan was set up around Jack to beat Jack. But I just – I had the – had an advantage so I just got excited so I I overshot the corner and then just went down and it's like happens in a second and then yeah I just look up and he's just going all he's passing me and you know you're just like dang it messed up so like looking towards do you think there's something that you could have done differently or um I I know at, at that point in the race it's everybody is kind of seeing seeing red and it's it's hard to make you know what's a good decision what's a bad decision you're just trying to get to the line and um you know you're trying to beat the guy behind you but i, I know it was disappointing but. yeah definitely like just would have would have taken it a little bit slower you know he was he was kind of like right behind me so i just took it too fast and if i would have just taken it a little bit slower i probably could have 
came yeah. out. On the you got a pretty side. good kick too. I think yeah. <laughs> probably probably could have. I, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but um, you know that's. I, I know afterwards it sounds like you kind of handled it with a lot of. You know, you're a pretty humble guy. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's it's cool that you you know all the the hard work that you've put into that time and um, you know second place is awesome. You got a lot lot of uh, good good finishes coming coming for you in the future too. I know that it's um, maybe a good lesson to, yeah. to learn. I, I think know. it's almost you, better. I mean, you don't want to turn it into that. And first, the, the top top place would have been awesome, but. But it's a teaching. You you know you're never gonna know when you're coming into a finish. You you do have to yeah. You have to check yourself a little bit, and I feel like that was a good, it was a good race for you to to remember. I mean, I wanted him to win, but yeah. I'm not. I mean, he did so good. He's a winner in my book, anyways. Yeah. Well, and for you know you were at the pointy end. I I know a lot of uh, other people. It's it, things like that happen throughout any mountain bike race, and you know from that your mom got uh, tangled up in the beginning and it's probably wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with what, what you were doing, but right. um, I might've been a little too close to the back tire though, okay. but well, it might've been your fault. It, you know? I'm, I was just checking myself. I was like, what could you have done? <laughs> yeah. But it is a, it's a race with a lot of people. And I, I know um, whether it's cutting somebody off in the single track, which We've, we've seen videos of that happening. We everybody's got an experience of somebody running a little bit too tight to you. It's um, you know good good lessons that we can learn and yeah. kind of remember that it is for fun, but it's also you know it's mountain biking. Things happen and yeah. kind of adapting and, and learning moving forward. But so Porter, I we had Justin on from um, gosh mind mind matters mind matters yep. um, cycling. And I think he's gone back to Australia, but you were you were being coached by him this uh, this fall, right? Yeah, it started in like the summer, and he's been training me and coaching me, and I think it, it's it's been good for me. It's given me more like structure for my training, which I think has really helped me like reach that like next level on training. And I look forward to like being better like next year because I'll get like a full year yeah. of training. Well, I, that's a scary thought. Because um, <laughs> you're pretty good right now, and um, I mean, there's I've seen you out on group rides, and obviously your performance in Iceman uh, and some other races kind of show that you're you're coming for the old folks, and not just the old <laughs> folks, but you know the the local guys that are trying to do this professionally too. So it's it's fun seeing um, you know yourself, and I was with we talked about Norte a lot on the podcast, and. Um, uh, the girls team and the guys team both this year had, um, a lot of very impressive, uh, well, we had Sophie at yeah. seventh and, yeah. uh, Camille Coffin was fifth in the same, same age group. And then I think in the age group below that for, uh, the girls that I was with this year, Sarah Black at first, Piper and Claire got third and fourth. Yeah. So and really, Piper uh, rode with a injury, right? Yeah. yeah. Piper, uh, oh, yeah, she had a bad injury. I yeah. think it, uh, Oh, is it a shoulder or like it was a, uh, it was a shoulder? Might, yeah, yeah, it was a it was an elbow and it was messing around on the power lines potentially. Yeah, I was wasn't there, but <laughs> <laughs> might have been doing something you shouldn't have been doing, Piper. But it was uh, it was all in the the name of fun. But so a lot of that's you know consistency, and I there was a lot of other kids that you know I wish I could call out every youth yeah. development program and. Um, Wisconsin and Michigan because there's obviously a lot going right and a lot of opportunities for for kids to get out there and be coached and and have support in this this area but 
uh, so you you only did it for about four or five months. What was what are like the one or two big things that you learned from that experience that helped you to go from fast to or like you know fast with your friends and to being able to keep up with your mom and even uh, a lot of the the local hardos. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, like the structure, it just gave me good. Like I'd have like intervals that I'd go out and do instead of doing like just like a two hour like fun ride, I guess, helps. And then like he taught me like we did like one on one lessons. So he taught me like better. And I got better in the single track, I think, like cornering and just doing all that. And bike handling skills got better, Yeah, which was good for me to learn. And... When you were doing the structure, you said like structure, is that, was it just go out and kill yourself like two days a week or what, what did it look like? What, was it uh, short intervals, long intervals? What for, for Iceman specifically, what was he doing? You don't have to get super detailed, but you know. Well, for Iceman, I'd, I'd have like one, one day off usually the week and like the weekends would be longer rides because I'd have school. So I'd do like, ride, I'd try to get on the course as much as I could and do like some like short intervals kind of like two minutes hard and then like a couple minutes off and then just keep just like a bunch of those different rides checking out the course like recon on the course yeah which was good do you think so did you do quite a few laps of the like technical sections or the the single track sections to know you know where where you could pass on though like in between those and where it made sense to maybe rest and and recover but ride it smoothly yeah I did. we did like a lot of a lot of laps on that course so i try to like strategize on like where you would like where i, I would want to like attack or like play like draft and play it like safe and ride easy or like spots where i could eat my energy and like nutrition yeah which would be good yeah good. which he did well with i was surprised i mean i'm not surprised but when you're not there and you just yeah. send your kid off and you haven't seen them, you're like, okay, please find those spots because it's so important. Uh, we've got to ask a tire question because I think <laughs> you know, we've, we've asked everybody on this, but uh, more of your equipment. Were you on a hardtail or were you on a uh, full suspension? So I was on a Scott hardtail, okay. which I, I switched over from the full suspension, which I did like the hardtail. It was good on the flats, and then I used Burt's tires which i like okay fast and light yeah do you know um like what pressure you were running uh, i think it was 18 in the front and 19 in the back okay i think that's a default now for yeah. which means i might be running yeah. a little what do you usually run <laughs> oh, i run high I, yeah i haven't caught on yet or maybe i don't i need a digital gauge i think because i'm 17 and 18 <laughs> okay for mine, and then if you talk to Ed Rogers, he's like fourteen, fifteen on the Burts. Yeah, he's he was yeah. telling me that the other day, and yeah. um, I haven't gotten down to that level of trust yet. Same. I, that's there's there's a lot to that. But <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, Liz, for for your riders, was it mostly hardtails or full suspensions, or just ride whatever you got and have confidence in it? The serious guys are typically full suspension. Uh, most of them have really nice light bikes. I think JJ's hardtail now. He tried full suspension. He didn't like it. Yeah. He's like, he's in such great shape, and he doesn't seem to be in like pain very often. <laughs> so like, if you have back issues, you might want more suspension. I don't know. It, I don't know. Yeah. The tire thing is an argument. Like some of my fastest guys are still at twenty five to twenty eight psi. Um, yeah, and then I'll tell them like I'll ask like five pros. 
you know, what's your pressure? It's like 17, 18, 18, 19. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, those are typically lighter guys too. Um, so I don't know. It's hard for me because I don't do short races like that. So I'm like you. I'm like, whatever feels good. Yeah. But I did learn on, with a single speed, I had to learn to let the air out. By this, this third time I crashed yeah. in the Iceman route, I was like, I can't. As soon as I let the air, I was fine. Yeah, but, helps to for climbing too. A little, little bit more traction. Yeah, yeah. I, I like mean, to go by trust. Like if you go on the single track and you feel like you can't trust that corner, you know to let some tire air air out because then it'll grab and then you'll find yourself trusting and you'll give into the corner completely mm -hmm. and that's when you know yeah yeah i don't know i mean i think i think everybody that went out this year they had really good years i mean less mechanical issues because the weather was nice too yeah which was good i would say the biggest regret and i preach this all the time and i think we talked about this last may they just need to get out we have the advantage like your Iceman training really needs to start in like August yeah. or at the on end the of July. Oh yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't it, you know, like getting out there and actually riding it hard. Like if you have a cramping issue, it's, if your nutrition is even halfway dialed and you're cramping, it's because you're going out on Iceman and only pushing hard that day. You know, yeah. you have to get on the course. You have to push, you have to get your body used to it. But once a week starting in July, why not? And if you don't live here, find something else that's like it. Yeah. 31 and miles. I know from living in Detroit that there's a lot of courses or a lot of, you know, areas where you can go out and get something very similar. Same with Grand Rapids. Yeah. It might not be the exact same thing, but you can get the feel for what Iceman is. And that's good advice. I mean, it's race specific training. It might not be four days a week. No, it doesn't have to be four days a week. Getting, you need, yeah. You can do zone field. two, zone three, depending on if you use a seven or five zone program, but you can get out and just do chill 40 mile rides, 50 mile rides. If you like to the mileage. But you do need to get on the course and yeah. do like a mimic race. And the more you do that, and it might not be necessary for the pro level people that are racing more regular, but you can't expect to show up to race three times a year and have a great experience if you've only raced three times a year and also not ridden the course a lot. So yeah. it, to me, it's a no-brainer, but it's a lot of work. I mean, you are, it's a huge commitment. So, I mean, that's where your life balance comes into. Yeah. And Porter, did you, like, how many races did you do leading up to Iceman this year? I know locally we've got Peak-to-Peak, um, -peak, we had TC Trails Fest this year, and we had Moment. We, there was a lot of other races that could take your attention. Did you use those to, with Justin to prep for Iceman, or which, which one was even your A race? Well, so I, my main goal race was Ordashore. I did that one down in Marquette, okay. which I trained for for like a couple of weeks. But then all, all the other ones were kind of like preparing, like peak to peak was preparing. So I did the two lap for that one, not to like burn myself out. Yeah. And, and how'd that go? It did good. I got, I got first in my age group. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> he did really well. We were out there. Like he beat everybody his, by time. Yeah. If you looked at his time, he, it was awesome. Everybody that in the two two lap. Yeah. He beat a lot of people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I think he was twelfth wave too, so he had a lot of people to pass. Yeah, I mean yeah, a lot of motivation. Yeah. <laughs> I watched a video from that. I unfortunately my wife works there, Brittany, and we weren't even able to <laughs> I wasn't able to do it, but it looked like the perfect day. It was yeah. beautiful. That's, I've gotta gotta do that next Well, Liz I did it with Addie. Well Liz picked Porter up. You swung by. Oh my god. It, it was the the colors were the best they have yeah. been in five years. And so the whole drive out was amazing. But me and Addie did it. That was her first race. So we did it together. It was a blast. And then we got done and he was waiting for us for probably not I don't know. Addie did oh great. Oh my gosh. Well, um, 
Yeah, it, it looked incredible. I think Dan, who's a pro, I, he's put up a couple of videos of Iceman, and he did one um, for for that race too. But incredible! It's like out of a movie. It was so, unreal. Yeah. So those were all prep. Did you do TC Trails Fest too? Yeah, I did that one. Okay. That one was good. I like that one. They like swapped the location, which was pretty good. I started in like the first wave with like Carrot and Yeah, I remember seeing you Jordan. <laughs> That's, that's what I knew you were serious this year. That's, uh, that's so you know, cool. Rubbing shoulders with those guys is, is, is pretty awesome. They all, you know, um, we got Jordan, Garrett, uh, you know, uh, Kyan had a great race this year. Yeah. Um, so, and then yeah, Brian Motter still just He's absolutely crushing it. There's a, the, him coming up icebreaker is, he, I saw him later on in the evening and he said, all you have to do is save a 900 watt for like 20, 30 <laughs> second punch to get, <laughs> to be serious in Iceman and get up Icebreaker. That's I was amazing. like, well, that's, I guess I can't be serious in Icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's for like three people, Brian. But uh, no, it was, he put an incredible, I'm sure the people that were were there um, were pretty blown away, but there is a video somewhere of him blowing past a few people. And I think we yep. know a couple of them, but it was a pretty impressive, impressive punch. Your watts Amazing. might be 600 or 700, but it's only because your cadence is lower. <laughs> so if you had a lower gear, your watts would probably be 1,200. Yeah. But your cadence and torque, not just torque. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to keep that in mind. You are, you were pushing hard. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, Brian, and I, it's, it's fun seeing uh, all the, the pro men and women kind of be in it. And our, a lot of our juniors being in a different class than everyone yeah. else out there. But uh, that's the other side and why we love Iceman you know it's all different races everybody in the morning gets to uh have a couple bells and and enjoy it um I think we want to get to uh Deanna um she is our uh the women's champion this year um she we're, we're going to learn quite a bit about her this is uh, I think it was her first Iceman um she's from Ohio so I'm sure we'll give her some uh, some crap for being an OSU grad, um, and but we're excited. Uh, she's also kind of a working pro, and we'll let's get to that conversation with Deanna. The fun starts before the race gun goes off. Make sure you stop by the Ice Cycle Expo presented by Forefront Credit Union. Special thanks to Forefront Credit Union for helping us provide a killer expo with all the vendors that you riders love seeing every year. Thank you to Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan for their longtime sponsorship and support of the Iceman event. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan knows how to take care of their folks and our wonderful community partners. The Bissell Celebration Zone is a lot of fun. However, cleaning up the Bissell Celebration Zone can be a challenge. Make cleaning up your home easy. Check out Bissell's products and let them know you appreciate their support of Iceman. Thank you, Bissell, for all your continued support and sponsorship. Deanna, thank you so much for joining today. Um, it's been a few weeks since Iceman, but we're all still really excited about it. We wish Iceman was every weekend. It's our, our favorite home race. We're pretty biased, but um, we're really excited that you came to experience it. And, you know, we're, we've heard a little bit about you before the weekend. I've, I've seen your name and posts in, ice, or in the Lifetime Grand Prix events, but besides that... Um, I, we don't know that much about you, so we'd love to learn more, and thanks for joining. Uh, where, where are you yeah. coming from today? Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate um, being a bigger part of um, the the race and Iceman and being a part of the story, and that's 
really cool for me to experience and hopefully for many more years to come. Um, but yeah, originally, I'm actually from Ohio. So off off the air, we were chatting a little bit about being an Ohio State fan. Um, just that's where I went to school yeah. um, for college. But originally, I'm from Northeast Ohio and lived like in a suburb of Cleveland. Okay. Went to school in Columbus um, and made my way eventually to Colorado Springs. Oh, I think we only give you a hard time before it because uh, I'm a state grad, Michigan State grad, the other uh, maybe better state school within a couple hundred miles. <laughs> oh, my God. And then um, I, Liz and Shannon. I'm not sure. I'm a state fan. Shannon I'm a state, state fan. Shannon yeah. and Porter Porter's are both state. state fans, but the other half over here, Liz, is uh, a diehard Michigan <laughs> fan. And um, I, I guess you, you don't have that much to be mad about right now, so we're not going to dwell on that because... I don't want to talk about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so you're you're from Ohio, and you went to Ohio State. Um, I mechanical mm-hmm. engineering degree or some kind of engineering. Is that correct? Yep, that, yep, mechanical engineering. Um, I can definitely then, support uh, that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And the cool thing is, actually, be, like, right when I graduated, I moved to Tucson. Um, my first job was actually with Caterpillar, and they have a mining division down there. So I was actually a test engineer on mining trucks, yeah, um, but always awesome. was really into bikes and really wanted to work in the bike industry and eventually made my way to SRAM in Colorado Springs. Very cool. How, how much do, does a you know 50-ton mining vehicle um, that goes underground, uh, how much cr- is there of a crossover to a bike? Is there like 0% or would you say that like some of what gets put into uh, a huge utility vehicle like that um, trickles its way down or is similar to a bike? Um, I would say they're not really, not really <laughs> similar. Um, yeah, so what I had worked on was huge, massive trucks that were actually above ground, but they would go down into big pits, mining pits. Um but yeah, as far as like similarities, I mean, there's not too many, but like, you know, engineers work on both products and they have to be invented and created and tested yeah, they both in similar ways. Like, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would just say a bike is much, much simpler engineering feat. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes we overcomplicate that quite a bit, <laughs> and we, we especially with how much people think about their bikes. But um, at SRAM, I'm guessing there's a lot to think about as well. Um, are you part of like the drivetrain, or are you part of their shock division? What what exactly are you doing there? So I'm a reliability engineer, and so a design engineer would be the one you know designing the product and and creating it. Um, reliability is more. Um, almost designing and testing for a robust, reliable product. So there's a bunch of tests we'll run here at the lab to make sure we're creating the best performing product for years to come. So basically that reliability element is something you can measure and basically correlate to years of use once someone's on it and has bought it. So that's basically my job it's a lot of stats and numbers and looking at the life of product yeah. um and mainly i support rock shocks product um but being one of the few reliability engineers at sram and sram being a global company i'll definitely float a, among a bunch of different teams like 
cranks and brakes um, and drivetrain just as needed. So a lot of Iceman riders use a cross-country bike that probably has a fork with, you know, 100 mils of travel, maybe 120. Um, and they also, locally, we've got some pretty hardcore trails up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. I don't know if you've ever been up to like Marquette or anything like that, but I'll compare it to what you have in Colorado. If you were to take that and go do downhill with a cross-country, how long is that fork going to last? <laughs> What's the reliability of a cross-country fork doing downhill or like enduro type, uh, you know, lots of rocks and maybe not hitting uh, something that you would do with a 200 mil travel bike. But um, so do you do tests on like how long that could last? Yeah. So, well, I, first I haven't been to the upper peninsula, but I'd love to one day. I heard it's really beautiful up there. I just haven't made it all the way up there. Um, is there good riding out there? There's incredible riding up there in Marquette and Copper Harbor. And there's some, actually some really good races too. It's probably right in the peak of your schedule, but I think August, uh, August is hors de shore. And that's usually a little gap in, uh, at least the lifetime scheduler it has been. So I, w- I would look mm-hmm. into Ordashore. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's, I'll put it on the list. It's very, um, it's, there used to be, um, along with, uh, the check 40 and Iceman and Ordashore, that was the triple crown yeah. of the Midwest. So folks like Brian Motter have won like all three of those. There haven't been too many people to do that. So maybe next year for you, that that could be your, your fall season around the the lifetime if you're doing it again. So. But yeah, it, yeah, I'll I'll add those to my list. Um, but yeah, to answer your really crazy question <laughs> about yeah what it would be like riding yeah a cross country bike on downhill tracks. Well, first one, it w- I don't think it would be very comfortable. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think you'd ever get to the point of yeah basically breaking your fork or anything like that because you'd you'd give up after one or two runs and be first. like I'm not interested. <laughs> I have slightly. Um, kind of personal because I do that and then I know many people because because <laughs> we don't have the right that like you have one or two bikes and you know a lot of people do it here they they try to have the the light cross-country bike for everything so <laughs> yeah true well um yeah as far as like yeah the life certainly there's different like calculations and yeah a cross-country fork wouldn't live as long as a downhill fork just because it's so much more robust and everything's bigger and thicker and designed for that. Um, at the same time, all, for example, forks go have to go and follow this international standard um, just to make bicycles safe, safe yeah. for people to ride them. So, like, no matter whether it's a cross-country fork or a downhill fork, it has to have this minimum life that's years and years and years long. So... Yeah, you'd never, yeah, find that limit. Okay. But well, that's that's yeah, good to definitely. know that you break yourself before the fork. That's <laughs> that's uh, that's very reassuring. Uh, good. So, how how long have you been at SRAM? And where where is SRAM? I, you might have said this, and I'm I'm sorry if we missed it, but where is SRAM located for where you're at? So SRAM originally, when they started in the '80s. Um, the owner lived in Chicago, so that's where the headquarters still is, and that's where a lot of like senior management people live and some break team. Um, and here in Colorado Springs, um, which is where I live, is the Mountain Bike Development Center. So we're super focused on yeah 
fork shocks, brakes, that kind of thing for mountain bikes. Um, and actually, um, I think they've been here for maybe since the early 2000s when it was just rock shocks. Um, and SRAM acquired them around that time, and we've been here ever since. Um, but me personally, I've been at SRAM for almost five years. Um, I'll be coming up on my five-year anniversary in a couple months, which is really exciting. Um, and I've kind of made like a little family out of it just because I met my husband here on my first day at work. Oh, wow. Um, and so he's been with SRAM maybe six or seven years, something like that. And he, he's on the rear shock team. Very fun. So is he designing or, um, so he's yeah, going to be so, a good mechanic for you then. <laughs> yeah, he is an amazing mechanic. Um, yeah, thankfully he is a lot better than me and faster than me in that area. <laughs> but yeah, he's a design engineer. And the really cool thing was um, the project he just wrapped up, it was Sid Lux. And so they moved from like two position, basically open and lock mm -hmm. to that mid. There's a third position, which is mid mode. So I being, yeah, the cross country racer and he's the cross country shock designer. Like it was just really cool. Basically I raced that product for two years. Um, and it's only been out for, I think three or four months now. So yeah, definitely having that mid mode was my little competitive advantage. And a lot of the pros had it too, but, um, yeah, it was just a really cool like experience that I could have had yeah. that and was like core to racing yeah and and he gives me special tunes and like even during the development of that chalk um you know occasionally we could have really fun days at SRAM and test the product that we're actually making so we can you know basically make tweaks and make it better for everyone so anyway he would um come up with different tunes for the public and what to sell for them and then also for race teams that's an option but then um even for my own bike and me personally, uh, we worked on a special tune for me, which was really cool. Yeah, and that's got to be that mid-tune mid or like the midpoint for the shock has to be pretty perfect for all the races that you did this year with the Lifetime Grand Prix. Um, yeah, so it's actually you can you use a remote, so you're switching during the race. But like Iceman in particular... I used mid mode a lot. So it's almost like kind of in, in between, between like, yeah, open and lock. And it's just depending on the trail. And then you can have like complete control over that. Yeah. And right from the shifter. So that's, that's awesome. Nice. Um, what did you, for Iceman, I, I want to go back a little bit first, but since we're already talking about tech and, and what, what would you ride <laughs> yeah. for Iceman? Is it a hard so tail or a I, suspension? Yeah, so I have one um, cross-country racing bike, and it's a full suspension, so the choice was very easy for me. Um, but yeah, it was an Epic uh, Epic Evo, and it had a SID um, SL fork on it with a SID Lux shock and new the new transmission drivetrain. That's probably a perfect bike <laughs> for Iceman. Yeah. Very light, but still all the comfort and yeah, pretty direct power with the transmission. Yeah, light, super capable um, with the remote. Like you have so much control over it. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good bike for nearly everything. Yeah, that's awesome. So 
how how did you get um, maybe just starting with this year? How how do you what brought you to Iceman and what uh, what did your season look like for twenty twenty three coming into uh, the year? So I actually heard about Iceman maybe a year and a half ago, um, and I really had wanted to go in twenty twenty two, but it's so near the end of the season, and I think I had just wrapped up. Um, marathon nationals so I just couldn't swing it in 2022 to stay out basically east coast slash midwest Um, but I actually heard about the race from uh, a guy Jesse Jackamate who used to race with Brian Matter or is it Matter (laughs) Um, back in the day when it was like in the Norba series yeah Um, so yeah, he's had a long standing history with the race. He's, he hasn't ever won it, but he's really been in the mix for a number of years. I've definitely Um, heard the name. (laughs) Yeah. So he's a really great guy and he works here at SRAM and he's a good friend. Um, but yeah, any, when I first started racing, which was 2022, he was saying, you should really check out Iceman. And like I said, I couldn't make, couldn't swing it last year. And this year, I really wanted to go, and um, yeah, it was it it slotted in just near the end, and you just had to keep the fitness going for you know those couple two extra weeks to make it happen. Um, but yeah, it was in general, I think, with the Grand Prix series, just a long year, so it's almost just like a year of attrition, basically. Like who can not be the most fit necessarily from April to November, but like who can, you know, stay away from injury, stay away from illness and just be really consistent, which is like, I think the type of person and writer I am. Um, So yeah, it was just a long season, but I think totally worth it to, to keep it going for those couple extra weeks. Do you think working full-time forces you to maybe not peak as often and just have that consistency? Uh, because you don't have the time to put in a 30-plus hour, like 25, 30-hour week. Um, and you, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how many women are really putting in that many hours. I know men probably can. But women, just like the way their bodies are built unless they've had a lot of experience in that area, I don't think they're putting in 30 hours a week. I could be totally wrong. Um, but I yeah, think, certainly. I think you're like probably work- right. <laughs> it's, the guys that are doing that, um, it seems insane as well. It may, might not even be good, but we can't all be Keegan Swenson. So <laughs> I don't yeah, think anybody's sure. really built like him. But uh, yeah. Liz, do you have not being a coach, do you I mean, know like what kind of uh, the max for a yeah, I mean, if you're at her level um, and you're working full-time, you're still strapped down, so you're more of a time crunch versus the 20 to 30. But if you're getting paid as a pro cyclist and not working full-time and you don't have kids and a life outside of it and a husband who only wants you to ride bikes and not hang out with them, right, or spouse, wife, whatever, I think it's easy, it's typically more of a time crunch program, probably not like a full-on Carmichael, but something in between with Olong yeah. that, that also – includes a lot of zone two to, for your base miles. But that's the part that a lot of us miss out on when we have a life outside of cycling is zone two, unfortunately, because those are your long, easier rides. But they're mm-hmm. so necessary too, so it's hard. You're also, I'm assuming you're training at elevation. Yeah, so I live at almost 7,000 feet, okay. high six. Oh yeah. That's really helpful. 
Yeah, so for sure. For a lot of races, it's yeah. a happy medium. That's um, a dream. But yeah, in people. general, like how I train and how I fit that in, yeah, like time is kind of my enemy. <laughs> um, just being full time and, you know, getting enough sleep and like maybe even sleeping a little bit longer than eight hours. Like you need that sometimes. So the clock, yeah, is definitely not my friend. So at the same time, I think I'm a pretty, pretty efficient person. Just, I like a schedule and a routine. And, uh, when the clock hits a certain time, I know like I got to get things done basically. So yeah, I think during the week I'm definitely limited to, uh, two hours of training, like, you know, three would be really crazy if I could split it up like between some strength and, and something after work. Um, but yeah, definitely the weekend is where I get in those bigger miles and the bigger time. Um, but I think like in general, I've chatted with a couple people and they said that I wouldn't necessarily, if, for example, if I wasn't working or wasn't working full time, I wouldn't necessarily be putting in more hours. I'd actually be putting in yeah, more recovery or, or like zone two. So it wouldn't necessarily be more. It would just yeah. be like doing it a little bit better <laughs> and, and recovering before those hard workouts. And has someone helped you kind of develop that plan this year and helped? Obviously it's working. And if you did that all by yourself, that would be incredibly impressive as well. But it, what's, what's gone into um, helping you put together that plan? Yeah, so I actually was really motivated to read a lot of books <laughs> and learn how to train and, and do that. Um, but I found a limitation of just my time even absorbing that information. Um, and at the end of last season, um, so in the end of 2022, um, I was kind of like trying to figure out what I should do or the direction I should go with racing because I found, yeah, it was like a new skill for me, but where do you go with it? Um, and I was just thinking of people who would be a good mentor or someone who, who could give me information. Um, so I actually saw Rose Grant was retiring and I know she's had a very decorated career. Um, and I just reached out to her because I figured she'd be super willing to pass on maybe some information to a younger person or, you know, yeah. trying to figure it out. So I asked her just on Instagram, I'd never met her, didn't know who she was, if she'd be willing just to chat with me um, and give me some advice. And I mentioned that I was specifically looking for a mentor. Um, and at the time I didn't have a coach um, and was just kind of like riding as I wanted. I wouldn't even say I was training until actually a year ago um, when I met her. Um, but yeah, she was retiring from professional racing and she went in, she was going into coaching. So it was almost kind of like the stars aligned with this really fantastic athlete who is just starting their coaching business basically. And at the time I wasn't necessarily looking for a coach, but like totally happy that that happened because I don't think I would have been able to do it and figure it out all on my own. Um, but yeah, she's been my coach for the last year, but then also more than that, she's just been a great mentor and friend and yeah, yeah she's been there, done that. And she's so just down to earth. She, she totally gets it. And especially being, yeah, racing at the professional level and working full time, 
she just can totally understand and, um, yeah, put in that extra bit of grace in your training calendar and, and what that looks like. And, and she just can relate. Yeah. And she's a fellow Iceman champion, <laughs> which, uh, probably you didn't know that at the time maybe, but, um, we were fortunate enough to talk to her last year and, um, not only is she a champion among, you know, multi-time, I believe marathon national champion, and her list of accolades is very long, but also just a really nice person. Uh, we we had a lot of fun talking to her. She lives in a pretty cool spot. If you haven't been to Whitefish, I think you should go visit her. Uh, any chance you can, um, that place is beautiful too. But um, So what, what did she, going into Iceman specifically, she's got a lot of experience. I think she was first and third the last times that she did it. Um, so mm-hmm. what, what kind of uh, information did she give you? Uh, maybe some tricks to on how to be successful. You could have listened to probably our second podcast with her too. And, and that would have helped um, because she, she gave everybody some stuff, but I'm sure she gave you some very specific um, information on the race. So. Yeah, she definitely, I remember her saying the end had switched. I think it, I think in 2022 with all the gates and basically making more crowd time from what I understand. More party time. Um, yeah, that's not for you. Yeah. That's for that's for everyone else. <laughs> yeah. That's the the pros time. the pros get to enjoy it as well. And it's um we can get to that in a second. But yeah. It's all more this year it meant more single track and more punchy hills. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically like the switching between single track and yeah, the climbs and the gates, like it's a little bit hard to navigate. So she said definitely spend some time going through there and getting familiar with it. Um, good thing for me that the, the maze a little bit that I like to call it wasn't as critical for me as it was for the men's race or even the women who came in second and third, um, just because I was able to take it a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely that was critical. Um, and just like any other race, like pre-riding and getting as much time you can with your, your tires on the dirt so you can kind of feel it just i haven't raced in michigan ever um so just like understanding how the trail and the course runs is really important um but another thing rose mentioned to me was just putting yourself in the race and being with the front and some this was a race i knew potentially i could win it and that was you know uh, you you just want to be in the mix all the time you don't want to um, not burn a match to conserve, um, and, and let some places or positions go. Um, so yeah, just knowing maybe who the competition is and, and how they traditionally ride is really important. So anyway, just, she encouraged me to race near the front and race strategically. Yeah. That, did you feel like you had pretty good legs coming off of, I think, is it big sugar is the last race for the lifetime grand prix? Yep. And last you did race really in the well. Life- and in that whole series, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, actually, you know, the end of the season, I had some really good races. Um, Schwamigan, I raced really well. Um, and Marathon Nationals was the following weekend. I raced really well. It came down to the sprint between Alexis and I for the win. So I had some really, I, I was basically felt like I was coming into my form near the end of the season. Um, and Big Sugar, they actually have a race the weekend before called Little Sugar MTB. Mm-hmm. 
it's a pretty long mountain bike race. I think it's a hundred K. So during that race, I was feeling pretty good, but I actually clipped a pedal and like straight up ejected off my bike and landed on my hip. Oh my. So between from that's that probably, race was that in Arkansas as well? Yeah, so in Arkansas. So, so not a from nice that sandy race <laughs> landing. Yeah, it's not sandy. So anyway, I was basically like a little injured. So coming off of an injury and I raced Big Sugar, but I actually didn't decide until the day before because I was trying to recover from that fall. <laughs> so between some really great results were some not so great results. And I was really worried that would compromise even potentially going to Iceman or, or showing up. Um, but once I was able to like, yeah, get that address and didn't and realized that hey, it's just like super sore and the muscles were tight. It was no big deal. Um, you know, I knew that fitness was still there, but I just didn't have an opportunity to show it at Little Sugar or Big Sugar. Um, so I kind of just ended, finished the season the best I could um, and then found that little bit of, yeah, fitness left and recovered enough to race really well at Iceman. And, and it, didn't, it didn't affect me anymore. Yeah. So you kind of made Iceman an A race and Little Sugar and Big Sugar became a B, a B race. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Thanks for I, saving like, your best for, for us. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like I didn't have that like one breakout race the whole year, basically. And when I found form, it didn't fully come through and then a couple setbacks. So it was like really was looking for Iceman to have that one big finish and it ha happened which is amazing yeah oh it's it, congratulations again it's incredible and it, it is fun when it all comes together um and what better place than it to come together coming up uh, into the finish shoots at iceman so how um we want to hear about the the rest of the race too but there are pride for that race, especially for the pros race that everybody ends up talking about is coming up what we call icebreaker hill and those last couple of hills in between the single track at the finish shoots. So can you walk us through the last like 2K and um, were you by yourself when you started getting back into the single track uh, before those hills? Yeah, so basically the, there was a group of five together. We were, you know, coming out of, I think Anita's hill. There were still five of us together. It was the Vasa flat stuff and then that big hill. Mm -hmm. Everyone was sticking together, but I noticed like on that, probably I think the steepest hill in the race, that I I felt like I was the strongest through that. Like people were still staying with it, but like I felt and looked <laughs> and was taking the lead a bit, little bit there. Um, so anyway, the last few, yeah, last mile or so, it was kind of flat leading up to there. And then it was like, maybe it was called wood chip hill. That was like the first of hill single track kind of like yeah. mixing. Um, and I knew I definitely wanted to take the single track first and just, you know, not having been a racer my whole life. I've, I would say my skills are definitely in riding single track and single track fast and technically, so I just knew that that's the section I wanted. So basically, Woodchip Hill, I sprinted as hard as I could to take that single track. Um, Haley Hunter-Smith took second wheel, and she was right there on my tail. 
um, another short hill. She actually took it, but I, at the same time, I kind of let her because I was like, I don't want to lead it the whole time just because I knew she's also a really strong rider technically. Um, there was another little bit of single track and we started getting a gap going. Um, and she kind of clipped her pedal on something. And so she was trying to get on. She couldn't get on. And right at the bottom of Icebreaker, she had to, um, yeah, like get clipped in, which lost her a couple seconds. So I took the lead from there. (laughs) And yeah, Icebreaker Hill basically sprinted as hard as I could because I was like, the bigger gap I get, the more kind of traffic forms um so uh i think from there like the top of the hill i had probably five to ten seconds i thought um and so it was just kind of keeping it calm and and don't take too many risks through all the weaves yeah. and up the, the, the gates were pretty <laughs> the tight bridge <laughs> yeah so they're pretty tight and then yeah, as I came over the bridge, I was, like, looking behind me, and I didn't see anyone through that whole maze of when I got to turn around a couple times. Um, and as I was coming in, um, I just couldn't really believe that, yeah, the wind was so possible. And I heard over the, announce, the announcer that some of the men had gone out in that last turn. So I was kind of almost, like, taking it pretty conservatively and so glad I did after I had seen some videos. Um and yeah, rolled it in, sprinted in, and got the win. And I know, um, I think through that maze stuff, Aaron Osborne was able to take it from third to second, I think near that bridge section, so halfway through those gates. Mm-hmm. Um, and Haley Hunter-Smith ended up coming in third. So anyway, it was a very tactical finish, and I think it all came down to being in the position you wanted to going into the single track um, just because I know that that's a strength of mine and, and some people can struggle there. So yeah, yeah positioning well, Porter, yourself for Porter the win. was saying, who's Shannon's son, who's with us as well. I was saying the same thing earlier. That was, that was the key. Like at that first single track before we get to the finish, like 2k to go, you got to be there. And, um, it gives you a lot of control. And then it, you said you were able to give up the wheel, but it sounded like it was your choice to, to do that and take a little break and then. And then attack mm-hmm. again. So, yeah, I knew Haley was is really strong through single track as well, and is a great rider. Um, super unfortunate she had an error <laughs> there, but that that's bike racing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she was able to finish up the race in third. But but yeah, it was her and I basically to the end, and we were putting on heat <laughs> on each other, which was a really exciting ending. Was it um, leading up to that for? From like the airport, uh, I know from the, you know, the airport's a drag race and everybody's usually together. Um, was it a pretty decent group from that point through uh, all the single track and the, the two tracks before the Vasa? Yeah, so I would say, yeah, still that group of five or six the whole time. Um, Haley I, was kind of taking the lead and, and controlling the race probably from the beginning on. Um and probably at the halfway point when it gets a little bit confusing between some dirt roads and single track, um, she had missed the turn. So this is about halfway through for something. 
And so I was right on her wheel. So it, the group kind of got mixed up and Ruth went first through the single track. Um, and then it was, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on her name. Um, oh, that's, that's I can't right. remember her name right now, but <laughs> she, she, she went second she and then Paige or Haley went third. So anyway, through some single track, Ruth is also a great writer. Um, she was able to get a gap basically on the group. Um, and another writer who, who wasn't as skilled in that area and wasn't able to keep up with Ruth. So basically halfway through, we weren't able to see Ruth. Um, she probably had 45 seconds on oh, us, wow. um, which is not ideal. <laughs> no. So Keeps your riding kind of hard, one... though. There's no cat and mouse, or there's no <laughs> playing games with a group if you know somebody's that far ahead. Yeah, and so at that point, Haley and I worked together and pulled, like, I think we worked really hard for the, that group to basically bridge the gap with Ruth once it opened up to more road and we could reshuffle our group. Um but basically, yeah, maybe in somewhere in the Vasa Trail, we caught Ruth. Okay. But I was so glad we did, and I, I wasn't sure if that was strategically the right move necessarily. But I had to burn like a lot of matches to get the group up to Ruth. But at the same time, I was like, I would rather race for first. Yeah, you had roses, roses uh, notes in your head, like yeah. you got to be in the race, got to be in the race. So. Yeah. So I, I think the couple on the back got to conserve a bit more as Haley and I were fighting to get to get in position um but yeah it kind of for a while like was maybe a little bit nerve-wracking just because you you couldn't see the lead anymore um but kind of once we got connected then the group kind of was able to recover and, and then it was like what's the next move from there and then it was not too long we were into Anita's Hill yeah and that obviously worked. It paid off, and um, you know it's probably a gamble, like you said. But um, I think you know you have to take those gambles, especially in Iceman, where the field's a little bit smaller, and um, Ruth's very strong. So if if you guys don't decide not to, then um, maybe we're not talking to you today. But um, yeah. So afterwards, were were you able to? enjoy some of what Iceman had to offer from a celebration standpoint. I know there's multiple venues and the party continues at Timber Ridge, but um, what was your night with the ice trophy like? Yeah, so I don't really get to have many spectators from my family go to races just because they're all over and you know, you're there for a reason and, and it's hard to hang out with family and do fun stuff. Mm -hmm. But I knew this one was, yeah, a kind of a party atmosphere and just really fun and close to home. So I gave my husband, Dennis, a break from, you know, supporting me and traveling with me that I invited my dad. So he was able to come up. I, I flew to Cleveland and we drove up to Michigan together. So he was so excited. Like he didn't know that there was a nice trophy and um, <laughs> like how big this race was. I was trying to tell him and uh, I just, I don't think he realized. And, and I actually, you know, it blew my expectations out of the water, just the amount of people and how excited everyone and, and how well the race was put on, like it just stellar in, in all ways. So anyway, Post-race, yeah, we got some dinner, and then we met up with Alexi 
and yeah, got to drink out of the ice cup and drank some Bell's Two Hearted, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just kind of bounced from place to place, and I'm and I think lots of people drink out of my cup and. <laughs> Yeah, it was just super fun and got to do the tradition where you smash it at the end, which is quite hard to do, actually, since I could barely pick it up. Yeah, it's it's but, hard for Alexi to do, too. He's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a good reason to cross-train in the winter. <laughs> Get, for sure. Hit, hit the weights yeah. a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think, were you at the Keen Loft a little bit uh, with, with the trophy, or was it Kilkenny? I don't even I, remember <laughs> the names of places just because <laughs> Alexi Bar. just texted North me, go Bar. here, go here. Yeah. No, I, I think <laughs> I sure. saw it, saw it for a moment, but, uh, yeah, that's there, there is, um, you know, it's, it's about the pros. It's about everybody. It's about the spectators. Um, it's always been just a race to get people together and when it's too cold to be racing bikes and we en- ended up with a really for- fortunate with the weather this year, but, um, it's, it's usually about the fun and the party atmosphere and, and, uh, celebrating, you know, just everybody loving bikes and mm-hmm. yeah. And another thing for, for me personally, even is just to celebrate, yeah, a ra- this ice man in the wind, but like just celebrate a long season and just how much, you know, time and energy I sacrificed to, to do this thing yeah. <laughs> while also working full time. It was just like a fun way to, yeah, meet everyone in Michigan and <laughs> meet so many proud people who've done the race so many times. It was just a fun way, yeah, to to spend out and socially with people. Yeah. And this one probably paid for itself I, I would have to assume that Iceman uh might have been the <laughs> pretty good payday for you too with uh yeah they've always been equal or for a long time Iceman's had equal payout which uh, I know Lifetime's doing that now too which is uh but hopefully we're, you were able to cover your flight to get out here and uh maybe even already book next year's flight <laughs> yeah for sure it it, it is nice and, and every little bit helps just because even <laughs> As you go to events, as anyone goes to them, like it, it can be expensive, but even just like, yeah, you're like, oh, maybe I need this other thing to really make it that extra yeah. <laughs> fractional percentage. So yeah, it is a nice thing and appreciate that from, from the race. Yeah. So next year, um, do you plan on, are you doing the lifetime Grand Prix again and starting yes. your season starts in like March for that or? Yeah, so Sea Otter is the first race, and it's in April. There's a couple other races that I'll do that that are start in March too. Um, I think Mid South Gravel is in March, uh, but yeah, Grand Prix is definitely going to be my A races for the year. I think just the promotion of those events is really important for pros and then even me as like a newer pro just coming up to get your name out there (laughs) um and to perform at those super high caliber races but then also you have to have a little fun too and sprinkle in some races you really want to do so um yeah Iceman will definitely be marked with like an A race for me just to even defend that title that's that's important yeah um and then a couple others like Marathon Nationals will be sprinkled in there just because that one's really important to me. Um, just keep taking second place a couple times there and would love to be in the Stars and Stripes jersey one day. Um, but yeah, definitely the majority of my time will be spent on Grand Prix races. Awesome. 
Well, we, we really look forward to having you um, come and defend next year, and we'll all be in your corner as we uh, follow along for Life Grand, Lifetime Grand Prix next year. Liz? <laughs> yeah, I know Shannon also wants to talk to you about getting more women too, but I just have a question about the um, confidence factor. Because I read your story, you're actually a big deal on Google, if you didn't know. You should Google your name sometime. Um, I read about going from flats to clipping in and how your family you know, talked to you into doing this. Um, I have been coaching people in one way or another for, you know, going on 19 years. And I have a theory that, you know, less than 1% of the population is considered elite, but I kind of feel like it's the other 99% that's allowing them because they don't have that confidence. And it's something that I've spent a lot of time coaching and trying to get to the bottom of because I have tons of athletes and they have so much potential. And it's also a really easy sport to get mad at, <laughs> you know? especially because it takes a couple years and you don't even know your full potential yet, which is really exciting. Um, I look forward mm-hmm. to, I actually look forward to seeing you more in year three and four than anything. Um, but what would you say to somebody who knows they have the potential, um, but they don't necessarily have the confidence that you had right off the bat or like, and I know that's not, I, part of that's perseverance and it's part of your character, but like, where does that come from? Like where, what would advice would you give to somebody that has a potential, but isn't sure how to get there mentally? Yeah, I mean, I still personally run into, like, yeah, these emotional or mental blocks around confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, just once you break through a little bit in, in those areas, like, that's when you create opportunity to shine. Um, But, yeah, I mean, even just if I can be an example to those people at all, like, I never never raced until I did one race in 2020 and one in 2021. And so 2022 was just trying a bunch of different things, but like really last or this year was the first year I raced against a lot of competition where the field is just so deep. And like, I would say this was like my first year of racing pro. So uh, yeah, it's just kind of like, if you're interested in that, it's kind of just, you can dip, your toes in a little bit until suddenly you're racing professionally and like the really cool thing I think particularly for women um is that you have like a long you have such a longer period to perform than I think a man um so you definitely have those years where you know life uh, (laughs) other life choices or things like can happen but like you can always come back or to racing and like uh, yeah I didn't expect to be at this position whatsoever (laughs) and almost I happened upon it and um yeah first thing my family encouraged me to race and I raced those couple races for those years in flat shoes and when I decided oh I want to try racing in 2022 like I was like well I have to change my shoes just because I think that'll give you a little bit of an advantage but yeah for years and years I raced flats and just never had like the confidence (laughs) to switch until it was almost required and you know now it's second nature and it's kind of just taking leaps of faith (laughs) that you can do something and you just surprise yourself yeah um even when I think back about these Grand Prix races, I didn't know if I could do them all. Like, they're so long and they require so much. Um, And then to actually go out there and perform, like, I just think 
when you're missing that confidence element, like you can surprise yourself. And once you surprise yourself, you can see what's possible and it kind of just keeps growing and growing and growing. So really it's kind of just do it a little bit and suddenly it's a lot. And when you get mad, push through it. (laughs) Yeah. I know we talked a couple episodes ago, I think when Liz and Kyler were on, we talked about some people don't even have the confidence to like go on a big group ride. So, you know, that's starting with even like that level of like, get out there, do the group ride, push yourself, maybe get dropped. It's okay. Come out, do it again. Um, I I mean, not that long ago, that was me. And I, I, you know, I, I think everybody's been at that point where you're, you're just nervous and like, you're kind of at a different stage, but it can be applied. Um, Just get out there and do it. And maybe sometimes it is that simple. And then you start Mm -hmm. getting confidence through that process and failing but yeah yeah and if it doesn't work too like for example with a group like find another group like there's always the right fit for you if you are looking for it um but yeah (laughs) did you not finish any of the lifetime grand prix this year so i finished each race started and finished each race in the grand prix um the only i actually had one dnf this year which was in Little Sugar because I crashed okay. out. But yeah, I mean, going into Leadville, <laughs> that race was very long. And so, um, yeah, just setting expectations and like breaking it down, I think really helps. Um, actually, I'm thinking of one exception. So Unbound, I didn't do. I didn't start. Um, just because you have two drop races and with everything being so new to me, I was like, I don't think I need to bite off that particular chunk of a race this year. Um, plan to do it next year once I'm kind of planning for it a little bit more. But yeah, that one I think is a beast in of itself and it, it can be done. But if I went, I wanted to perform. So Awesome. Thank you for answering that. <laughs> That's a big question. It's and it's really the it's the base of any goal and keeping it attainable and reasonable and realistic is super important. But I think it's it's good to talk to somebody who won Iceman, who came from where you came, has this awesome story, and then also has somehow built up the confidence um, to come show up here and like you went for it. <laughs> I think that's awesome. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, Shannon and I were talking before we started. And I want her to talk about this a little bit because we really want to focus on getting more women involved. So I'm like, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, we were chat. We were just chatting about the the women and how we only had 26 for Iceman. Hi. Um, Hi. And it would be really nice if we could try to. And I'm pro- I'm pretty sure this has just been, you know, the norm because I'm sure you experienced there's just a lot of lo- like less women that you race with Mm -hmm. and how do we how do we get those numbers up yeah i think it's a couple things um i think some of these programs where you get women riding with other women um i think that was actually really core to me picking up mountain biking um so in tucson there was this group that was put on by bell um and i think it was once a month and it just got a bunch of women together and you can kind of experiment more. People will break stuff down uh, rather than maybe going with a group of guys or even mostly guys. Um, It's just a different dynamic. 
Mm-hmm. So making those things, you know, more available to people give makes an environment for encouragement. And so you get super excited to ride. So that's right. one thing. Um, racing is kind of this other beast <laughs> just because, you know, there's more pressure and it, it almost takes riding, you know, more serious. Like it kind of brings a serious element. So that's kind of not as welcoming. Right. So maybe we need to figure out ways to make racing more welcoming and then even giving women opportunity to make time to ride. So for example, they might be the main caretaker or, you know, have some things like, you know, having had a kid recently or having young kids, there's some races that actually provide child support, uh, child care, which is really cool. Um, and I, I know Breck Epic specifically will be doing that this next year. Um, so just, yeah, making it easy for women to come to these events and races, things yeah. like that. And I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I think um, when Liz mentioned confidence, like I think confidence is a big element and then what makes something welcoming for more women to get out there. Yeah, for sure. No, I totally agree. I think it's, it's hard because like I, I step into the pro women's race and I have four kids and it's really hard to train. Um, but it's hard when you line up and there's only 26 and you're like, wow, like I, I mean, I really shouldn't be here. I mean, I, I mean it like in a way of we should have more. It shouldn't just be 26 and, you know, a mom with four kids, you know, she's the number 26. There should be hopefully 50 or 40. It'd be nice to ride with more women. Yeah. And even it could be a thing that some women are <laughs> worried about, the, the almost like these categories or labels too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes there could be some age, graper, age groupers who would really bump up or, or stuff like that. And so it's not as intimidating of a label right. as I think some people interpret it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. And sorry, I don't have a more no, uh, no. <clears throat> direct answer either, but I think, yeah, we, we, we have to figure out a solution to get mm-hmm. more women on bikes. Yeah. Well, we'll challenge you to invite some of your friends. Yeah. <laughs> Please invite some <laughs> of your friends. Yes. Make it, uh, you know, it's only two week, two weeks after big sugar. We'd love to have <laughs> a whole group from the Lifetime Grand Prix and, uh, you know, make it challenging for you to defend. That's, yeah. uh, <laughs> that we'd, we'd love to see a podium again, but it's also, it's really fun seeing uh, great competition at all levels of Iceman and really all, it was a great, great race, really competitive this year. And, um, yeah, we just want to make sure it stays like that. So, yeah. Yeah. but Deanna, we really appreciate you coming on today and sharing your story. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll all be rooting for you. You're part of the Iceman family now. And, um, yeah, we just want you to be successful in, in everything you're, you're doing going forward. We have done, um, in the past, we've asked three questions. Um, I don't think we have time for, for that today, but I'll, I'll ask you three shorter ones. Um, and I, I think we're, we just won't, answer them today but they're, they're going to be slightly different so I'm just curious um, one hard thing you did this year one thing that you learned from this year and one really fun thing that you did Ooh, those are hard questions um, so one really hard thing um, I mean I, I guess Leadville was really hard <laughs> um, 
just racing for that long with such a high output was really maybe intimidating. <laughs> and also what made it, I think, a little bit harder was um, I slept in Leadville the night before and oh. I got no sleep. So sleeping at altitude, I didn't realize was a struggle. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I woke up race morning with maybe two hours of sleep. Um, and that's probably a couple compounding things. But yeah, that definitely made for the hardest <laughs> thing and i probably tackled from, this year that's coming from altitude for you as well so it's that tells yeah. how much of a challenge it really is so yeah so did you learn um, from that too <laughs> is that does that go right um, into what you learned yeah maybe learn maybe don't sleep in leadville the night before sleep a little bit lower if you can <laughs> it's convenient to sleep in leadville but um yeah also i guess about that race so i went into my race strategy was almost to do an individual time trial. Like if people went out too hard and you thought that wasn't sustainable, like kind of almost just let them go and ride your own race. That strategy didn't work this year just because Keegan was going for the record and it was one of the fastest starts yeah. in the history. So the basically everyone went. Some yeah. of the gals were able to jump on as well. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Well, they also were of a similar strategy to just go hard out yeah. with the guys. Um, so anyway, that just didn't allow me to ever put myself in the race. And I was actually in no man's land, like had no groups to work with for a long time. So definitely learned from that of just, hey, don't have an inflexible strategy. Yeah. <laughs> um, when the race goes, you got to go with it if, if you want to, you know, be competitive so that was one thing I learned. Um, and then the second question, I forget. Oh, what I it think was. You, you got hard in l what you learned in the same one, which makes a lot of sense. Um, so just oh, fun. Yeah. What was the most, maybe the most fun race that you had or, um, doesn't have to be about biking, but. Um, I mean, the most fun race was like hands down Iceman. <laughs> I mean, there's right. really, Gold star. there's really no beating it. It hits all the boxes. Um, unless you don't like a mountain bike potentially um yeah all the boxes expo um big crowds huge hype uh amazing awards tro trophy <laughs> um family friendly yeah i mean close to home awesome. it really hits all the boxes um second favorite was probably schwamigan which is almost like i've heard people say they're similar in some way yeah. um iceman's a little bit bigger um, well, if you and can, more hype, if you but. can make time, I think you should do the triple crown next year. I Chiquamanon, Ordashore and Iceman. I, they're all very similar, huge crowds. Um, we, we love supporting those races as well. And they're, uh, they, you know, they all used to be part of the same thing and, um, Midwest knows how to party and we know how to bike race. So <laughs> that's, uh, even though you're from Ohio, you fit in pretty well. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. But, well, thank you so much. Um, we wish you the best this winter. Enjoy skiing and um, come back strong for a great season. We'll see you next year. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Deanna. Thank you. Thank you and cheers to Brady's. We appreciate the support and sponsorship. Stop by for a great bite to eat and a welcoming atmosphere. It is a wonderful neighborhood establishment. And it is a must on any night out, especially after Iceman or maybe before Iceman too. 
There's one car company that is able to get you through the woods better than your bike. You guessed it, Subaru. Choose Subaru for all your adventuring. And don't forget, if you drive a Subaru, you have a chance to park in the Subaru VIP area this November. But it does fill up fast. Thank you, Subaru. Subaru.